Consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I'm your host, Classic, and I'm here with my co-host. Gypsy. And today we have Evan Kidd. He is award-winning filmmaker and host of Convincing Creatives Podcast. His latest film, Panda Barrett, which is shot, which was shot in seven days, is now streaming on Amazon Video and Tubi TV. Welcome, Evan. Welcome. Hey, thank you for having me. Really appreciate it, y'all. It's a pleasure having you. So to open up uh, for, I guess, for us and listeners, tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're from and yeah, how you got yeah so I'm originally filming. from Raleigh, North Carolina, and actually that's where I am today. And that's where we uh, actually shot Panda Barrett. So, you know, okay. North Carolina, born and raised. And, uh, you know, I love I love making movies. You know, I've always had this like passion for creative storytelling. You know, I was always like, watching movies growing up you know my my parents were like you're gonna fall into the screen you're sitting so close to the screen like you know so I was always like watching movies watching tv and you know really what I took away from it was just this uh you know creative conversation that you know people were having through the medium even you know fun shows you know silly things like that there was always a greater story if you looked for it and so for me like growing up I went to film school when I was in college at ECU, East Carolina University. And then when I got out, like I kind of made it my mission to try to make these uh, small passion projects, indie films, things like that, uh, documentary as well. And, you know, I've always just had that curiosity to, you know, find other people's stories and help tell them. So I think that comes across a lot in uh, really any project I try to make. So Okay. To go um, back to what was your first camera and your first you know experience yeah. with with the camera and everything and learning so my original camera was the uh family vhs camera so that was like probably 1995 1996 i think i was like four mm. and i remember just asking my dad i was like could i use the camera and he was like no you're gonna break it like you know, obviously <laughs> cameras are expensive and he was like, you're four. Like, how do you even know how to use it? And uh, I was like, well, could I tell you what to film if you won't let me film it? And he was like, all right, we'll do that. So he would like film things, you know, just like the neighborhood, toys, just random things around the house. And then eventually I would like kind of direct these little sequences. And I didn't even know what I was doing at the time. I was like, could you film a, a big shot of the backyard and this close up of this like tiger toy and like its face and its eyes and stuff. And I would just like make these stupid little stories as a kid. Um, but I think little did I know that was kind of setting this weird foundation for me to kind of eventually look into like, Oh, what is uh, you know shot sequence and directing and cinematography and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm not going to say it was good because it was a four year old just, shoot, you know, telling someone to shoot something like it was nonsense, but you know, it, it just was cool to like, uh, think of things in that way and obviously like when I got a lot older in like high school um I got like a little like point and shoot digital camera and I was like playing with my friends and we'd like reenact things and that was kind of when YouTube was coming around and so we would do these little skits and stuff like that um and so yeah those were kind of the original things that kind of launched everything else so okay so back then as far as when you were doing your your first films did you know that putting a whole film was as technical as it is today oh no no way i had no clue i mean i was coming in completely new and you know like especially like when i was a kid obviously but even like when i went to film school like you know we can jump ahead a bit too and like 
you know, I remember the first few projects I made, I was like, oh, these are awful. Like, you know, I just remember thinking like, this is not how I thought of it in my head. And, you know, a lot of it is like, you don't have the budget, you know, you don't have the professional, you know, sets and things like that. You're just kind of making do. Um, but then what I quickly realized was, okay, it's okay to make do, but while you're making do like, you know, maybe don't put the sci-fi project um, on the college campus, maybe make like a story that's actually supposed to be on a college campus. Cause that's what you have access to. And then like later on, you know, we would do things in town and like in the woods and forests and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, cause there were kind of some rural areas that we wanted to take advantage of cause the scenery was cool. And I was thinking, okay, well, you know, what story actually lends itself to that environment. So like, I always call myself kind of like a resource based filmmaker. So I do things very like outside the mainstream system and I always try to like, you know, think, okay, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of budget, but what do I have? And I always try to like take, um, you know, some inspiration from whatever's around me. So, yeah. And I, you know, I've lived in Atlanta a little bit and I've messed around with a little film and stuff like that. So I, I definitely understand. And a lot of people, you know, they, you can, we're in LA. So yeah, we see a certain level of filming and right. I've seen, of course, um, in Atlanta, a friend of ours, shout out to, um, Brandon Dixon. He put out a Craigslist ad, pulled together a whole film crew in a day and yeah. we were able to uh, shoot a film. Yeah. And I had a camera at the time. I had, um, it's the same one. Yeah. 70 D. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And he he used my camera to film then, but I wasn't necessarily yeah. a filmy maker. Didn't ha- know that it really took all of that. I just so happened to have a camera. Did you um, do more services as a photographer or, f- or filmmaker as you yeah. came along? Or were you always into f- just filming like your own personal projects? Uh, definitely both. So like I've always been, you know, writing and thinking and just trying to be engaged in my community and, uh, you know, I've told stories about like, you know, even in documentaries, because um, those you don't have to cast actors, you know, you're just sort of putting yourself in the world as it exists, and trying to capture a story um, over time. And so like, you know, definitely always doing that, but always uh, staying, you know, looking for those projects, you know, free, I did so much freelancing, I do some corporate work, um, I did a ton of music videos for a while. And those are fun, because you usually get a little more creative control on some of that so you kind of get to be a little more uh you know creative than maybe like a wedding video or a car dealership video or something like that but i've done all of them you know because it's like you got to pay the bills you got to pay rent and uh you know that's definitely a big part of it like you know i i don't make enough money on my own projects at all like to pay all the bills so you know you have to kind of be able to juggle and you know for me i actually put a lot of money sometimes back into my own projects to try to get them off the ground it's not much but um, you know, it, it is a cycle. And so, you know, for me, like I kind of look at it all as one thing. Cause you know, what's nice is, you know, some people, um, might get bummed out cause they're like, Oh, I got to do this car dealership commercial. I'm not that passionate about it, mm-hmm. but you know, you stay sharp on the camera skills, you stay sharp on the editing skills and you can, it just depends on your outlook. So I try to always have the outlook where, you know, any project I touch, anything I do, it can help me improve as a filmmaker down the road for my next project. That's a personal project or even a commercial. So, yeah. What's your dream camera to work with? Oh yeah. So, you know, it's funny. Like I always loved the kind of cinema cameras and, you know, for a while I I was using probably until 2019, actually 
um, the Canon 6D. So it's very similar to that uh, 70D I think you were talking about earlier. And I've been, I'd really been rocking that for a while. And the, the screen had a big crack in it and like half the pixels were dead. And I really just ran that thing until, you know, it couldn't work. Cause you know, that's part of being a, you know, indie filmmaker, you don't really have a lot of money. And I was like, Hey, as long as the camera's powering on, that's the camera I'm using. And, I, and again, I just used it until it basically, it still sort of works, but you know, you get to that point where you're like filming something and it's becoming more of a headache than it's worth. Yeah. And you're like, all right, I got to invest in something new. And so that, that point came in 2019, I got a black magic pocket 4k cinema camera. Um, and that thing was awesome because it's like the most budget version of it you can get. And like those cameras used to be huge. I mean, they used to be like this big yeah. and they've shrunk everything down into like this. And it has just a really nice form factor. Uh, it eats batteries in like 15 minutes though. So you have to have a ton of batteries cause it's just too, you know, 4k and high tech and all that. Um, but you know, for planning it out, getting the batteries you need, the, the image quality blows my mind and it, and it blows my mind that it's relatively affordable now. I mean, even five years ago, that technology didn't exist. So, you know, cameras are always like evolving really rapidly. So it's, it's fascinating to watch. And, you know, again, that thing's going to be out of date probably in another year or two, just because that's the way, you yeah. know, like technology moves, the iPhones move, everything's always uh, marching forward. So you have a uh, experience working with uh, Sony cameras, like the, what Sony seven. Like oh, the a seven, a seven. Yeah. 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 So I haven't used a lot of them personally. Um, I was doing weddings a couple years ago okay. and this guy I was shooting weddings with, you know, he was providing the gear and he had one of those cameras and what blew me away about it actually was how good it performed in low light environments. Cause mm -hmm. you know, a lot of cameras, you know, you need to have lighting a lot of times to really get the image as good as, you know, you see in the pictures on the advertisement. Um, you know, a lot of times, especially if, you know, you're shooting at night or you're shooting in a room without, you know, just a little overhead light, you're not always going to get a great image. Um, and that thing shots like almost what your eye could see in the dark. And so that's mm. what was really cool. So, yeah, that's pretty neat. How do you yeah. bootstrap a film in seven days? Like what's your creative process? <laughs> that, that is the question. Like, yes, like it is, um, is challenging. Like it's not easy. Uh, and I think a lot of it comes down to like, even when I first come up with an idea, like let's take Panda Bear, that's my most recent one. Um, you know, me and my friend Damien, who goes by the, uh, you know, music name Camus Leonardo, he's a rapper in Durham, North Carolina, not too far from where I'm at. Um, we originally were just going to do kind of what Panda Bear was as a music video for a new single he was doing. And then eventually the more we brainstormed it, we said, oh, this is not, this is too much for a music video. Like, you know, we really wanted to take, you know, themes of mental health, themes of grief, themes of just like surrealism, like, you know, this panda bear following him around in a mascot costume. Like it's, it's so weird. Um, it's almost comical, but then the subject matter is so serious. So like, we kind of wanted to do that juxtaposition and like flip everything on the expectation level. And the more we talked about it, the more we were like, I feel like this is, you know, evolving past the music video. So I went and wrote a script and I remember telling him, I was like, I want to write a script that we can shoot uh, here in our hometowns, you know, in Raleigh, in Durham, a couple other places in North Carolina on the weekends because we were all working jobs and really just like not kill ourselves doing it. Because, you know, I didn't want to write something with, you know, 
Star Wars level production because, you know, we're not going to have that. And, you know, we got to be realistic about it. But, you know, what we did have was a really crappy panda costume and it was like falling apart. And we like embraced that as part of the aesthetic because it's like kind of this haunting image in the film. Like I won't spoil what it all still means. still a good definitely. suit though. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. And, you know, but we had to like hold parts of it with duct tape because it was like falling (laughs) off. And so like to us, it was so funny because like we do these super serious scenes and then I would be like, all right, cut. And then we'd all just like burst out laughing because the panda bears like thing is literally needed more duct tape to stay together. (laughs) It was just like just that little logistical side of production. Um, But it was it was a blast. And like, again, just kind of coming back to your question, like it was so about just trying to keep things as realistic as we could, but in service to that mental health, um, you know, kind of more serious story that we were trying to tell um, about loss and grief. And, uh, you know, kind of that's the thing we realized is like a lot of those moments happen in little interactions, like the main character talking to his grandma, you kind of get that something's up based on his conversation um, in a couple different scenes. And like, you don't, you don't need the big production budget for that. You just, you really got to have good actors and a good script. So. Yeah good energy yeah because these right. days you'll have great production and great cgi but terrible story yeah <laughs> yeah yeah it's all about the image and you know not about the story and you know you can green screen anything like you know don't get me wrong i, I love a marvel movie here and there but you know sometimes the audience i feel like we want something to supplement that like you know that that's like i don't mean this as a bad thing like that's like the mcdonald's side of the industry like you know it's it's quick you're gonna enjoy it like there's nothing wrong with mcdonald's like i literally had it the other day it was like convenient it was what i needed and it fit that moment but then there's other moments where you like oh i kind of want to have something different you know have a deeper thought process a deeper conversation with you know the the movie i'm watching or whatever yeah. and so like that that was our goal like you know we're, we're not like the best thing since sliced bread at all like you know there's a lot of flaws it's a couple hundred dollar movie but you know again at least unpredictable. i think people's right well that was their yeah. goal you know it's kind of <laughs> like we tried to at least like be like okay well we really gave it an attempt like and i do feel like most people watching like they'll forgive you if you if it's like a low budget if you keep them entertained throughout the story yeah. kind of, and do you have something to say too? That's the other side of the coin. You know, something that like for me, I don't really watch a lot of stuff, but yeah, even certain movies, I, I can't be able to predict it. If I can predict it, you know, it's come on. Right. What's the point of this whole budget? If it's the same right. storyline of, you know, everything else. <laughs> yeah. And, that's the difference. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, keeping the, yeah. the audience's attention or the, the viewer's attention, whether it's just creative and original or, you know, because there yeah. are a lot of different kind of films out here. Original. Yeah, yes. Films. Yeah. Well, one, one of my favorite series on TV right now is Atlanta and they're about to come back with a new season, I think next month, actually. And one of the things I love about it is it is never predictable. Like you think an episode's going one way. And then by the end of the episode, there's surrealism. Sometimes there's horror elements. Like sometimes the whole genre of the show changes. Like you're like, oh, I think this is like a comedy. And then it's like, no, it's it's a drama this episode. It's a horror film this episode. It's a commercial. Like there's a whole episode where everything's a commercial. And like it, it, it really flips the expectations on the head. And I love that. And I feel like, you know, we need more of that. Like you were saying, because, you know, the audience, you know, we've seen so many different shows and films at this point in our life that, And plus, like, you know, Netflix, they're always pumping out something new every week. So rather than being the flavor of the week, it's like, how do you even stand out? So, 
and that's that's pretty tough on i guess standing that standing out these days because a lot of the companies or the industries kind of want you to have something that's familiar and if it's not familiar right. then it's like oh, i don't know it's risky but right yeah and that's that's what's hard about getting my work out there is like you know we're, you know, I'm one person, you know, like I said, I, I work other jobs, like my actors and my, you know, crew members that we all work with, like, you know, we're doing so many different things. Like this is just one thing we're doing at any given point in time. And, you know, we're, we're doing it all independently. So that independent marketing, that word of mouth, you know, talking to y'all on the podcast, doing like a behind the scenes YouTube series on my channel, like that's all the types of stuff we're doing. Cause you know, there's not some person at Netflix, like writing a check to us and, you know, throwing us out there on all the talk shows, like, you know, we're, we're just trying to get the word out. And, uh, you know, and, and I think that's the thing, cause sometimes maybe, you know, it's not to say nothing good ever comes out of the big, uh, Netflix and HBO and all that. Cause there's some good stuff, no doubt. But I do think, like you said, a lot of times they don't want to take a risk because for them, it's not really about the art form. It's more about like, what's the bottom line for revenue. And, you know, that makes sense because obviously everyone's got to eat. Everyone's got bills. But at the same time, it's like, I feel like we can walk and chew gum at the same time. And we also, you know, like to give props to your film crew and everything for being dedicated to working with you. Because it it takes a lot even to have dedicated friends to to work with you. Yeah. You got to be grateful for that. Oh yeah. I mean, shout out to everyone. Like my friends who came through to hold the boom pole, like my brother, let us at his house, like, yeah, you know, and then, and, yeah. And I was like, do you mind actually holding the boom pole too? And he was like, Oh yeah, sure. I can. He's like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm like, just push that button. We got you, you know, we'll figure it out. And like, yeah. that's so much of it, you know, it's like, you, you just get through and do what you can and you know, you hope it works out. So. Yeah. And you released this during the pandemic or is it? Yeah. Yeah, How that, was that? that was wild. Yeah, it, it was wild. Um, you know, like when we made it, we shot it uh, like October, November of 2019. So right before a couple months before the pandemic started. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the movie weirdly was about this guy who was, you know, grieving a loss, super depressed, and uh, he was alone. He was very isolated. And obviously those were all themes that really came into play once the pandemic started. And so I was editing as everything was, you know, shutting down in March of 2020. And I just remember thinking, I was like, this is so weird. Like how this movie, even though it has nothing to do with the pandemic, like we would have never known at the time, like so many, just the little themes of it, the subtext of the film kind of felt similar. And so I remember once we released it, it was in 2020 and, you know, all the film festivals, like, went online and so you know we did virtual stuff which was dope but at the same time like we never got that like audience reaction of talking to people you know because originally we were going to do a premiere at a local theater here Mm. and uh damien was going to perform because he wrote original music for the Mm. movie and so it was going to be this really cool celebration and obviously we never got to do it um so we had to pivot and kind of do everything virtually um which again taught us more stuff like it kind of i think extended the life of the film because because it was virtual you know we kind of were like okay this is going to be a slow burn rather than a you know quick thing because you know we had to really generate the buzz a lot differently um and then once it went on uh amazon you know that was available to people in the public and then tubi as well so like you know you can watch it for free on tubi which is awesome like you know that's the thing for me like you know it's not even about making money. It's just like, I want people to see the film. Like, 
you know, it, I, I really mean that. And um, cause you know, we made it for such a specific reason. And I think there were just so many themes people could connect to. And like, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to cure what we're all going through. Cause like we're all going through it, but um, I think it maybe just gives it a little more, uh, a little more context maybe. So. Yeah. For our um, filmmaker listeners out there, uh, what's the process of um, putting your work on Amazon? Yeah. So that's a very technical question. And like a lot of times um, that actually was not even available to us filmmakers for a long time. And uh, they made a program where they were like, you can submit if you have like the captions ready to go for your film, um, you know, all the marketing materials, they have to be like formatted a certain way posters promo images and then you know trailers and stuff like that and then if you had all that and i think it had to be over a certain length so i don't know that they would accept like really short films um then you could submit it on prime video direct and then you could you know you had to wait a couple weeks month or whatever and they would review it and then sometimes it would get accepted other times they wouldn't and so you know that that's how we went about it um, but, but Tubi's cool. Cause that, that's a new platform. And Is there so no it's very upfront up fee or anything, just all submitting. Yeah. So that one's like that one, you have to go through a distributor. Um, but once you do, it's free for people to watch. And so like way more people have seen our film on Tubi. Cause like, let's be honest, like if you're just scrolling through Amazon, you do have to pay like $5 to rent Panda Barrett, which, you know, you can do, but like, if you've never heard of me or you've never heard of my cast and crew, then you're like, mm, do I want to take a gamble on this film versus Tubi? It's just sitting there free to stream. All you do is watch like two pre-roll ads and that's it. That's a little more accessible to people. Um, and that's the thing, like that you gotta be realistic about it too. So I try to get my films out there to, you know, the right platform. You know, I won't say Amazon is the wrong answer because it's been dope because people have watched it there. And, uh, you know, it has a bigger audience base from, you know, the whole world. So more people can get to it. But the ones who do find it on Tubi actually are people who watch a lot of indie films. And so that kind of plugs into a more niche audience. So it's all about like kind of thinking uh, which audience lives on which platform and then kind of how your film can work throughout them all. So, okay. Yeah. I've never heard of Tubi until yeah. today. So shout out to Tubi. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's cool. Like it's new. Like you can get the, uh, like app for like the smart TVs and stuff. So it's, uh, it reminds me of Netflix, but it, you know, just doesn't have as many of the higher tier stuff, but they do have like some higher tier movies that I was actually kind of surprised to see on there. And uh, everything's free. You don't need an account. There's no monthly fee. You just watch, uh, you know, like it's like YouTube, you watch like two or three ads during the thing and that's it. So. What inspired you to get into podcasting? Oh yeah. So what I kind of look at it as is it's another way to be creative for me. And so like, you know, filmmaking is awesome, but it takes so many people and so much time and energy and work. And I'm not going to say podcasting is easier, but I like that I can um, make a podcast from, you know, here in my room and yeah. I don't have to, you know, call 20 people and, you know, call a restaurant be like, can we film there for, you know, three hours and you know, stuff like that. Um, which, you know, again, that is what you got to do for a movie. But sometimes it's like, I just have thoughts in my head and I want to share it. And the podcast is a great way to do it. Um, and then, like you said, at the beginning of the show, uh, my podcast, it's called convincing creatives. And 
uh, it's kind of this dialogue I have with other creative people, you know, not even just filmmakers, there are filmmakers, but, you know, painters, writers, you know, things like that. Um, and it's just about how do you convince yourself to stay creative? And cause sometimes that's a challenge. Like, let's be yeah. honest. Sometimes you have writer's block. Sometimes, you know, I just don't want to do something like, you know, you, you, you like the idea of it, but it's like, do I really want to jump through all the hoops to get to that final product? Um, and then a lot of times, you know, it's, it's like I said, self-doubt. Cause you know, you think, uh, is anyone even going to care about this story? Like, you know, I thought that so many times during Panda Barrett, I was like, this is the weirdest story. Like it's about a depressed rapper who can't write a song, who's going through a grieving process, who has this like imaginary mascot panda following him around everywhere he goes. I'm like, are people even going to care about that? Like people are going to look at that and be like, what even is that? And you know, people did, but then it kind of yeah. got them to watch the uh, the movie because they were kind of confused and curious. And yeah, so but it's a film it, just like all the other films out there. That's about yeah. everything else, you know? So. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, exactly. And like, you know, that, that was kind of the thing. And so, you know, uh, I think too, like when we write, like, you know, I write all my films as well as direct, like, um, you know, I've directed a couple other people's scripts too, but like by and large, I tend to write my own stuff majority of the time. And, you know, when I'm writing, I always think about how is this going to be perceived? Is anyone going to care? And, and that's just self-doubt because like, again, you have to trust your vision at a certain point because once you come up with the idea, you know, you can pick it apart in your head all day long. Like, yeah. and after a certain point, it stops being productive. Like, you know, it can be productive if you're like, okay, well maybe the characters should do this instead of this. Cause it's more compelling for their narrative. Like that's productive. But if you're just sitting there being like, does anyone care? Is this boring? Is this, this, is yeah. this, that turns you know, it kind of stops being productive. Exactly. And so, you know, there's always that saying too, that comparison is the thief of joy. And I always try to remember that because it's like, if I'm comparing myself to every other film filmmaker out there, I'm never going to make anything because everything else is so good, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, so you have to trust your own vision and, uh, you know, eventually just kind of say like, okay, I want to see this through. And it's in service to something bigger than yourself. Cause I feel like, again, like all, all the filmmakers and creatives and just really anything, like if you're chasing, you know, fame and ego and money and this and that, like you're probably not going to make it through in the long haul because those things aren't going to sustain you for the long term as a creative person. Like, you know, for me, uh, it's that storytelling. I really always try to remember that. And, um, you know, it, it does keep me going even when it's challenging. So, yeah. Like, how do you get over, um, like when you're personally going through uh, writer's block or imposter syndrome or whatever it may be, like, yeah. how do you, how do you personally get past that? That's a great question. Um, you know, I'm still figuring it out sometimes. I won't lie. Like, you know, I think what's helped me is trying to create some sort of a schedule. So like I'm writing a new movie right now and you know, when I started it a few months ago, I didn't really have a good schedule in place because, you know, the pandemic and, you know, we're all just going through it. And, you know, I was just kind of writing a little bit here, a little bit there when I got inspiration. And what I kind of saw was I would, you know, work really hard for two or three hours and I wouldn't touch it for like three months. And then I'd be like, that's not really consistent enough to get it where I want it to go. So really, um, it was actually during this last season of convincing creatives, uh, 
I was talking to a couple different writers and they were just saying, write 15 minutes a day. That's it. Don't, don't overanalyze it. Just don't, don't be even be precious about it. Cause I think sometimes we all like hype mm -hmm. ourselves up too much. We're like, if I'm going to write, you know, I'm going to light the candle and everything's just going to, you know, the mood's going to strike and like, you know, that's great. But nine times out of 10, it doesn't hit you with that like dramatic flair that you're expecting it to. It's yeah. just sitting in a chair, pushing buttons on a keyboard and, you know, if you trust yourself, you know, you've done this enough times, you know how to put the story on the page, you know. And so that that's the thing. I think just sitting down 15 minutes a day, just, you know, because you do that every day for a year. Like you really can write a book. You really can write like two or three scripts um, and you can always go back and edit. Like that's what I always tell myself is like that first draft. They always call it like the vomit draft. You're just getting it out like you can clean it up later. And that's the hard part is like really just putting it down the first time. So yeah. to go back to, um, I guess the, our, for our filmmaker audience, what is this first editing program that you started to work with and what do you use now? Yeah. So way, way back in the day, I actually used windows movie maker. So that was like when I was in high school and I would, um, edit on that. And I had this old computer that would just freeze after I put more than like 10 clips in there. So everything <laughs> I did, it had less than 10 clips, which I think is so funny because mm. I was like, the moment I put the 11th clip in there, it always froze for some reason. Mm. So that was my first one. But like when I really got into film school, I started with Final Cut and Final Cut Pro was um, really what I think opened the door to like a lot of editing because I also edit all my own stuff too. And you know, editing is this fun process for me because like some people hate it. Um, I actually really love it because you get to really just sit with the final, you know, stuff you've already shot. You can't go back and do more takes and you're just combing through it and you're seeing what works and what doesn't. And especially in documentary, editing is really where you're shaping the story. Um, you know, narrative, it gets a little bit more linear because you've kind of already got a track and you're just like pushing the train down the track. Documentary, you can get so creative. Uh-oh. Hello. Uh oh, we froze for a second. Uh-oh. We froze up for a second. Sorry, you still there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Can y'all hear me? Yeah, we yeah. can hear you now. Okay, cool. Not sure if there was I was in our internet or what. Okay. But you were saying during the documentary, you can either filming or shooting a documentary or Yeah, there's so many ways you can go. Um, so you can like cut very creatively and so like a lot of times um audio track like from an, let's say you can show the person talking or if you could even go more creative with it and just show like b-roll of the things and then put that audio underneath so you can really go about it a lot of different ways and so like that's where i find editing's fun it kind of reminds me of tetris it's like putting a puzzle together so yeah i'm editing i'm i i started with filming and I, I i guess even now i can't say i'm a big fan of it i have a lot of stuff yeah I, I wish i could edit and put together old clips and stuff just for the fun of it but yeah i'm one of those people that have definitely gotten away from editing yeah I'm still trying <laughs> it, it can be tedious yes <laughs> yeah yeah i don't mind editing but i i still can't get with final cut like I'm a Premiere Pro person. <laughs> I got used yeah, to that yeah. and it's like so hard to. I do Final Cut still yeah. with editing, but I also did a lot of Pro Tools work, music stuff. So that's okay. why, you know, editing is also just as tedious as 
sitting down recording a music project so what's your favorite part of editing like audio because it is it is similar but also kind of different well for me it was it was more i guess recording as a as a creator i enjoy yeah more stacking as a you know and creating you know that form of audio but I can't really say that I, I got into a lot. I'm not really just a, a mixer all the way. Like oh, okay. that. Just, gotcha. you, know, you do mix your own stuff. Huh? Yeah, I can, but I'm, it's more of just mixing yeah. off going off my ear and things like that. But there's, I don't use pro to, I mean, uh, auto tunes or anything yeah. like that. So when it comes to sound, I like acoustic, you know, yeah. sound or more live type of sound when dealing with certain things, I still do, you know, beat machine stuff as well. Yeah. But, it's hard to say. I'm 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 taking a break from music right now, so I'm not doing any creating and stuff. Got it's been it, about a year it. from now. Like I haven't written any songs, just taking a break. And it's kind of it kind yeah. of came from the whole pandemic thing as well, to where I took some time to analyze and I played cello since I was five, so music has always been there. So it was more of like a all right, I'm gonna take a break and recharge and see you know, what else is, or I want to do. And that's when the pen, the, the podcast thing kind of grew a whole yeah. lot more. So it was, it was substituting that energy for me. The creative energy is still building as a musician. Right. I will, I'll probably end up doing a lot more video editing than, um, right. Music over probably over the year. That's, that's dope, the podcast. You're stuff seeing, then, yeah. You've seen the yeah. transition though. Right. Yeah. That, like what you said about the the pandemic like um like i've definitely noticed that too with myself like the pandemic has sort of flipped the script because it's like i still have the same interests but at the same time like i realize now not everything has to be a film because sometimes it can get out there quicker as a podcast or, or a book yeah. or a blog you know so um and the, the, podcast, the writing and the creative yeah the podcasting world is is definitely going to be amazing even yeah. you know it's as it grow it's really a, a nice outlet it allows me to take off the the music maker hat and i can yeah. put on the genuine conversation human beings and we you know yeah. have a nice conversation yeah and now i can see it yeah <laughs> and before you know sometimes people they do take the and i'm not sure if you you probably get it in the film world too because people don't understand what it really takes to make a film but right. you know even for the the small services as wedding you know film my wedding yeah some people still don't understand the hard work what it takes to get the shot and even when you're working in real time like that you can't run it back so mm-hmm. you know you have to really have that skill so a lot of people don't kind of value that and even with musicians they don't understand that you know if you want me to perform two weeks from now, I have to practice, practice, practice so I can have it perfect when it's time to perform then. So it's not just, you know, I show up and it's 30 minutes, an hour, it's nothing. So it's, you know, the money, why, why so, why so much? It doesn't take that. You're just pressing the button. You know, those things are basically parallel. You're just having, you're jamming, you know, you're doing what you do. Just come do your thing (laughs) over here at my house. (laughs) You know, (laughs) It's, it's like, yeah, they so, love to say that it's like uh i know exactly what you're talking about yeah you're just pushing button yeah fun like you know it, it, it's you would never say that to someone 
um, you know, working a business type job, you would never just say you're just pushing buttons. I hate when people do that to like creative professions. Yeah. Right. You don't tell a lawyer, you're just talking to me, right? <laughs> and, right. You're just reading papers. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. It's like, it can be fun. Yeah. Like it's, it's dope that we enjoy what we do. I would hope everyone enjoys what they do to some degree, but at the same time, like there is an amount of preparation. Like you have to be able to, you know, like pre-production in film, you got to rehearse, you got to write, you got to, you know, make those phone calls to the locations you're going to be in, make sure, you know, you can even be there at the time you're going to come. Then you gotta, you know, it's, it's a production just getting 20 people to show up in one place at the same time. I mean, you know, that's always, yeah, five (laughs) even, yeah, two, you know, It is. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like you, you got to cross the T's and dot the I's, as they say. And uh, it's all that logistical in addition to the creative that kind of makes uh, what we all do here very unique, you know, and like, I'm glad you all see that. And like, and I definitely see it with y'all's podcast because like, you know, the conversation is genuine, like, and that's and these are the moments I feel like people crave because uh, both during pandemic times when you know we were, you know, still are to a degree kind of isolated. Yeah. Um, people, people crave that. And plus people just look to that even in the most normal of times, because it's how you understand people better. Like, I think you have to have a genuine interest uh, and a genuine empathy for, for people uh, to do anything creative because, you know, that's what film is to me. It's showing different people's lives. So. Yeah. And a lot of times when, you know, a lot of these um, careers, you have to be able to communicate with each other. And over the past, you know, the pandemic, communication has taken a hit with amongst, you know, the general public. So, you know, this is just, let's communicate without a title and, you know, understand who we are without saying, you know, oh, he got a mask on. I don't have a mask on. Let me go this way. It's a whole different psychological thing, you know, and you can see it just from walking through downtown LA Mm -hmm. where we are. We, you know, you see the lack of communication or the, devalue of a person just because of something because yeah it's hard because society doesn't set us up to have a lot of conversations because we're just programmed to like go to work make money do this like you know they try i mean again it's not like some grand conspiracy it's just it is what it is like you know we're just from day one you know kind of put on this track and then you know halfway through you're, you're you wake up and you're like oh i'm on the train what am i doing here like, you know, and so it's kind of up to you at that point to decide, you know, how do I want to go about uh, the time I have and like get to know people better, get to understand why people are doing what they're doing, even if I don't agree with it, like it just helps you understand. Um, and, you know, just just we're all trying our best. Like, I, I think that's the thing that's that gets lost a lot of times. And, yeah. um, and you know, again, like not that film is going to save the world, but like to me, I feel like it's what I am able to do in this very weird time the like show that people do connect with one another. Like I, I actually have this new documentary I'm working on. Uh, it's about a hearse festival. So like the things that take caskets to funerals, those types of cars. Yeah. And it was happening at the beach of all places in North Carolina. So like not what you would expect all that <laughs> to be a very like juxtaposition um, flip on its head kind of thing. And I was thinking like uh, it was actually at the premiere of Panda Bear, we, we did eventually go to a film festival about a year later that was um, in Beaufort, North Carolina at the beach. And both me and Damien, who's the lead in Panda Bear, we met this guy at the film festival who was telling us 
at that same venue, they were going to have this Hearst Festival three weeks later. And both of us looked to each other and we were like, that could be a short documentary. And because we just wanted to get to know the people who got together to do this. And we went and talked to a bunch of people that day at the festival. And everyone talked about how like, you know, most people like they'd see them at the gas station and be like, oh, what's wrong with you? Why do you drive that? That's creepy. That's morbid. And they were like, you know, no, it's like a way to a, you know, some people are into muscle cars and motorcycles. They're into that. So it it is like this technical vehicle thing for them that they love, like fixing it up and stuff. But then on the other degree, they were saying it helps them kind of come to terms with life and death, which is a little philosophical, but they're like at a certain point, you realize you're sitting in the front of one of them and you're not riding in the back when you'll never know. Cause obviously that's where most people, you know, not yeah. to be morbid, but like, you know, that is. And so it was actually kind of weirdly powerful. Cause I was like not expecting that type of a conversation, but you know, and again, th- this is not something I even knew existed prior to hearing about the event, you know, and, and I went over there with a the camera just, you know, out of my own element and I just got to know so many people and perspectives and it, and it was just really dope. So. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Even with the podcasting, I, I can, after putting a little thought into it, I look at it kind of as a way of how people can, well, we all have our little fears of where the hell we are right now in this right. world. So the podcasting with the being, you know, public speaking, that's what number one fear of uh, in, in the world public speaking so Mm. for a lot of us to unconsciously turn to we're going to publicly speak to each other and have a conversation right for me i know yeah i've gotten better at talking oh yeah it's just me too you know yeah more confident in 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 life communicating you know human being it's helped you know with that fear whatever fear it is or with all of those fears it definitely can help with that or it has helped with that. And I know that's one of the reasons probably why this platform or podcast, you know, platform, some people, at least a lot of people over the past two years during the pandemic have um, unconsciously probably just gravitated gravitated towards it as a outlet of the fear of some kind. That's a great observation, honestly, because I feel like you're right. A lot of people, you know, even if you love public speaking, like a lot of people maybe didn't have an outlet to talk about stuff. And, um, you know, I do feel like, you know, it, it is important because it helps you like organize things in your brain. Like, you know, by talking them through, sometimes you're like, Oh, that was a good idea or that was a bad idea or that was funny or this was serious. And it it just kind of helps you like categorize things. I think sometimes rather than just keeping it all bottled up, you know? Yeah. What are some of the challenges that you face with, um, getting music for your projects as far as for projects? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, like Panda Bear, it was unique because uh, Damien is the pro there. Like, you know, he's released several uh, hip hop albums and like he, you know, made this song that was super awesome. And like it was very meta because like in the movie, his character, which is like a slightly fictional version of himself. Um, so it is kind of close to life, actually. He's like literally writing it and like thinking of the beat in his head and like different musical cues will play after moments in the the film and then those cues turns into parts of the beat. And then at the very end of the movie, you hear the whole song and then you've actually kind of already heard it, but just in the little like Genesis moments of it throughout. So that, that was actually one of my favorite um, 
music film kind of combinations that I've ever done because it felt very organic like it felt like the way you get an idea it's just a little thing and then you just add to it and add to it and add to it and then eventually you get the whole song um but most films don't work that way so you know a lot of times I'll find um like free music archive is a really great source because it's all um creative commons you can use it for film and it's a bunch of indie artists who want their stuff to be used that way and so that's a really nice database to find stuff um and you know if you want to put stuff on youtube they have like the youtube audio library that's really helpful as well um you know so so little things like that um i have worked with a friend of mine uh who you know composed stuff before and that's awesome and uh so you know i think it depends just who you know and who you can talk to but even if you don't know anyone like the the free music archive is a great great resource so okay yeah i know i'm having um we released a podcast soundtrack uh it was just an Mm. instrumental kind of a quick you know yeah release type of project but i'm i've had these i guess i'll share these even for even other podcasters um i'm gonna of course i'm gonna do another soundtrack but i was thinking or I have an idea that's growing to somehow be able to take some of my recordings from the, um, from my guests and, you know, kind of put them into the soundtrack and figure out a way to create royalties to where even guests can get royalties. If, you know, once everything together, even the podcast guests can find a way to get royalties on, you know? Yeah. So you'd be like sampling, audio moments and kind of mixing them with music i kind of that's cool i like that yeah i like that it reminds me of like the um i'm sure y'all know about the the lo-fi hip-hop beats on youtube where it's just a live stream and then they sometimes will like sample like people talking from movies little yeah that type of scene yeah and it and it kind of enhances the the beat a little bit because you'll you'll hear this like famous movie clip or something so it it is it always fun to find ways to play with audio so. Yeah. so even you know for creators like yourself that have podcasts you know probably something neat that you want to do as well with yeah. your friend you know you guys do a, a soundtrack for your podcast i like that yeah. that's cool i like that that's awesome. what's uh like your top three movies that like inspired you or you just love watching Ooh, see i always have a hard time picking I think. um <laughs> it's it's so hard like and and my taste is like way too like broad as well so like i love too many types of movies so that makes it challenging but i will say i think like for me back when i was younger uh the lord of the rings movies came out and i thought those were just like so cool because at the time there was nothing like so epic in scale and just the way they did it yeah Yeah. and you know it just blew my mind and i remember like for christmas my grandma got me one of them on dvd and I actually didn't even have a DVD player and me and my brother got a PS2. Uh, and so we realized we could play it on the PS2 and we watched it. And then after the movie, it went back to like the menu and it said bonus features. And I was like, what's that? Cause you know, before that, all I had was VHS yeah. and I watched that. And then there was this whole like series of videos on the disc. And you know, this was like 2003, 2002 um, of the director on set walking you through everything so it was like all behind the scenes showing you how it was made and again me in like uh you know elementary school middle school watching that multiple times because i I would just watch that every few weeks on repeat um 
I would just be like, Oh, this is so cool. And like that opened my eyes to filmmaking. So I, I always have a special spot for Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. in my heart. Yeah. Um, I also love short term 12. That's a more recent movie. Uh, it's by Destin Daniel Cretton. And I want to say it's on like Netflix and Amazon. So if y'all have that, definitely give it a watch, but it's, it's a really powerful drama about a group home and uh, the people who are kind of the adults in charge who kind of help everyone out. And you just see these interweaving stories of different people, you know, their problems, their solutions, Um, you know, all the kids have different things going on in their lives and it's just really powerful. And it it really opened my eyes to just like uh, how well written a drama can be. Cause like every character in that movie is just like so good. And, you know, you'll laugh, you'll cry. It's, it's just got it all. So that would probably be another one I really like. So you got a third. (laughs) um that's i would say maybe gosh that's such a hard one uh okay parasite i love parasite Parasite. a few years ago yeah yeah i haven't seen that either um it's a korean film it is so good uh it is wherever you think the film is going in the first half it has like one of the best twists i've ever seen i won't spoil it but I remember watching that movie. It's like, it's a thriller. And you were just, I just remember being like so far on the edge of my seat. Like I just about fell off. Like it it is that engaging. Like I remember I was like so uncomfortable watching the movie, but at the same time I was like, I can't stop watching this movie. (laughs) There was a film we on Netflix. We recently watched when we visited Mississippi and it's a, it's an anime film. Yeah. I can't remember the Green name. Green Snake or something? Green Snake, maybe. I think so. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. But with you saying something that kept you on the edge, that yeah. that film, because I guess without it spoiling, it's like the world yeah. that they're in is always changing. Okay. So when you when the action is done and they're relaxing, something else changes. So it's, right. it's yeah. always moving. And you're trying but to process the underlying, like, message behind it at the same time but there's a lot of action going on too yeah yeah but it was you know i don't like like i said i I don't really watch a lot of films some of them that slide by me that was like one that just happened to come by and it's maybe one out of like maybe the first four movie i've watched in maybe three months yeah (laughs) no i know what you mean like i I love movies and sometimes i miss out on all the latest and greatest because there's just so much to watch like it's so hard to keep track of everything and um you know i'll put things in the queue but then i'll go back like six months later and be like oh yeah i forgot i put that in the queue i need to watch that and so i always am very behind on my watch list and i'm sure it's the same for you sometimes you know as when i was in um prime musician it's hard to listen to a song without wanting to go and make your own song. Right. So you, I can imagine you watching <laughs> you, something and you get inspired. You know very I well. Want, yeah. I want to go <laughs> and make a film. It, it is yeah. so true. Like, it's so true. Like, I'll watch something and then my brain, it's like half of it will watch it for entertainment and the other half will be like picking apart cinematography and sound. Yeah. And sometimes I'm like, stop, I just want to watch it for entertainment. <laughs> yes, man. It, yeah, that's, that's hard. That's, the, that's hard for me with film because yeah. yeah it's just it can be fun sometimes because it's it is fun to watch it that way but it's, it's like it's hard to watch something for entertainment and technical at the same time but i feel like i've just got used to it at this point 
Yeah, yeah. once you you're, you learn the secrets of behind the scenes yep. and how it's filmed and stuff like that, and who wrote it and what the actor was probably thinking, and you know, <laughs> yeah, it's, de it's definitely hard to watch films the same. Yeah. But before we get ready to um, close it out, any links and, you know, projects that you're working on that you'd like to share with the audience? Yeah, definitely. Um, well, first of all, thank you all for having me. I really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for making the time. We appreciate um, you. And then, yeah, yeah, y'all are doing great work. Like, please keep it up. I've really enjoyed keeping up with y'all on the podcast. And um, yeah, I would just say to anyone listening, you know, uh, check out Panda Barrett. It's on Amazon and it's on Tubi for free. So you can watch it there. Um, just download the app like on Smart TV. And you can actually, I think, watch it on like a browser too on Tubi. Um, okay. Yeah, check out Panda Barrett. And then all my stuff is on rocksetproductions.com. Uh, and then Convincing Creatives is my podcast. So we're actually getting ready to, new, to do a new season uh, later this year. So, Okay. If you're ever yeah. in downtown LA or in LA, California, yes. definitely hit us up and come by for we'll do. a studio um Recording. recording yeah you know we i would have love that multiple mics so keep us in mind if you ever you know in the area yeah we no, we'll it. do i hope i hope to be sometime you know doing a film or doing a film festival so that'd be dope they have them going all the time out here as well yes <laughs> yeah. oh yes <laughs> like the yeah. only place i've been in you're just walking down the street and they're yelling cut you're like oh yep. sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's like everyday normal yeah there, like you know? why is there a tray of food in the sidewalk oh it's a film set never mind here in north carolina we uh when we did panda bear we had some guy like driving his truck down the road and you know we were filming on like on the country road you know for the scene yeah and he like came in reverse back and was like what are you doing because <laughs> like, we just were in this field in a panda bear costume and i was like making a movie and he was like that makes sense and then yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> Thank you to our listeners. Yeah. And you can find the podcast at americangypsy.com. And we also have consistent self-improvement merch at luamli.com. And we have music on all major platforms. You can find some of my music under Classic Carpenter, K-L-A-C-C-I-K, Carpenter, C-A-R-P-E-N-T-A. And that's on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Tidal, YouTube, all major, all major platforms. I stumble over that every time. Not really stumble, but that's the layout. <laughs> um, thank you to everybody um, for listening. Thank you again. Okay. And consistent self-improvement, everybody, and peace. Peace.